0: Amen, amen. How many of you alive today? Grateful for what God's doing. Um, I woke up thinking it's going to be a good day today. I oh, know, just had that feeling. Um, I uh, want to take a moment and and uh, honor Lindsay, our guest. Um, she's she's here with us. I I really haven't really honestly had the chance to know. Lindsay super well over the last many years because I just kind of like known her from afar like it's like this person through Gabe that I know Um, but um, but I've always from afar just admired a few things about you first of all like um, your purity and your sincerity and the way that you love Jesus and others I think anybody who would know you even a little bit would see that about you Um, you also have great capacity as a leader and you're, and you're a good, you're thoughtful in the way that you lead your team. But I think in addition to that, like the way that you love, um, the way that you are sincere and pure really affects the way that you lead and you help others. And so I just want to say that I really admire that. And I've gotten to know Lindsay just a little bit better over the last few months and, um, and have asked her for feedback for us and um, our church about how we can be um, better and move towards generosity and compassion, and uh, just tried to like learn her story. So, um, why don't you come and give her a hand? Um, do you like left side, right side? Oh, you take that side. Okay, you get it. Um, I she asked me this week. I was like, "Hey, will you just come and talk." And she was like, "Would you? Can we do an interview?" And I was like, "Sure, I'll do an interview, like whatever." And so. I like that better. You like okay, give her a a mic that let me see it. Hello. Is it on? Okay, let's get a let's get a zoom some do what? Hi. Try it. real quick.
1: Talk Hi. You
0: you may have to kind of keep it close. All right. Here I am. Somebody shoot a chat into the zoom and see. Okay. Okay, good. We should be good. All right. Um all right, well, you're here with us this morning. This is awesome. We're going to do an interview. I just, my thinking about an interview, the way that I like to do interviews, I was telling this with Lindsay this morning, is like, just to give you context, um, Lindsay works in human trafficking and leads an organization that does a various number of things that I can let her, her address. And uh, we just really um, admire, and I, got, I actually got an opportunity a few months ago you guys had had a little bit of a situation and so got to come in and pray with the team and um i just i don't know i think i just wept sitting in there thinking about all the things that their caseworkers the people are are walking through with others and and so it just really put you and what you do on our radar and so i'm just really thankful that you're here but um Thanks why not that- like like talk to us a little bit about what you do and what yeah. it means, because I think it's kind of like an elusive, I don't know, how many of you are fo- somewhat familiar with somebody who does something in human trafficking, or you've been familiar with the, I feel like it's something we all hear about, but it's sort of elusive what kind of work it, you know, it is. So talk to us a little bit about yeah. what Trafficking 911 does.
1: Yeah, so <clears throat> I think a lot of people hear about the issue kind of more Globally, and and it's a little bit harder to understand what's going on here, you know, in our own communities. And so um, for the past 11 years, I've been a part of Traffic 911. And what we do now is uh, we have a team who works with mostly teenage girls and a few boys. And uh, we work with law enforcement, and when law enforcement recovers a, a kiddo one of our team responds um, within 60 minutes and gets to just be there, um, with these kids and just begins to journey with them. And so, uh, we just believe relationship is the intervention. And so, you know, for a while we, we operated a safe home and did residential, and I just got to learn a lot of what it was like just to be near to, um, people who have different stories than me. And, um, And so that's what we get to do So It looks a lot of different ways But on any given day we have about 180 youth that our team is serving And they're out in the community with them They're taking them to to dinner Or celebrating a milestone Or um, handling a lot of crisis situations Because these kids are just in crisis Most of them um, aren't from these huge Sex trafficking rings Um, It's like local um, in motels, hotels, a lot of cases around here In the Mesquite Garland area that we work And um, it's men purchasing sex from mostly teenage girls Who may be kind of being controlled by um, What you might know of as a pimp or a trafficker And so, you know, they've been Usually have histories of just brokenness in their past And what, what I've learned over time is that Most of them don't even really have... Um, much to say about like their trafficking incidents even though that's like they've been raped you know hundreds of times but they're more broken from their childhood you know what happened in their childhood and abuse and neglect that kind of got them there today Um, and so it's just been eye opening I think just just our team journeying with these kids and learning what success looks like and what it's not and, and that it's just messy Um, and, and we just get to be there and, and show up and love on them. And, uh, it's awesome.
0: So what's the biggest misconception that you think that people have who are on the exterior like
1: us? Gosh, there's so many. Just shoot, shoot a couple. Choice, choice is a big misconception. Um, just that everyone just believes that they've chosen this life, you know, and, uh, and when you get near to them and understand their story, um, they've been lured into something, you know. And I would say another one is just that—that um, that there's this this line journey to healing, and it's just super super messy and super long term. I was I was interviewing some uh, survivors on a panel this week on a conference, and this woman was gosh, she's in her 50s, I think, and so she's been out of out of her trafficking situation for like. 25 years. Hi, Randy. (laughs) Um, And uh, she was still talking about like how she's just now learning about how her anxiety is kind of manifesting in these seasons of her life and um, how she's learning deep breathing techniques and all these things that like 30 years later, she's done all this healing and still there's these, you know, repercussions from um, the trauma that she's experienced. And so I think that the misconception is that there can be this like moment of healing or these steps towards like this person is free from this. And we know from the Lord that that's possible in a lot of ways. But in the stories I've been able to be a part of, it's not that simple.
0: Yeah, because all of our stories are really just exactly. straight paths. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so tell me a little bit, in, in queuing off of that, Talk to me a bit, a little bit about your own journey and like growing up in church. You grew up in a similar kind of church. I I grew up into there might have been some flags, mm-hmm. you know, Maybe some, some dancing. long dancing, long long mm-hmm. services. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about childhood. Talk to me about yeah. like how you how you got here. You know, it's like that's was a really broad question. I'm sorry. No, yeah, I got you. Just, just jump in anywhere you yep, want. Yep, yep. I'll, I'll interrupt you. Either <laughs> no, way. I.
1: I always say, like, I'm like the, I don't know what number draft I'm on or page in my story, but I'm, like, version number 648 of Lindsay's Speed. <laughs> you know. That's where I'm at right now. Um, and just learning about my childhood and who I was throughout my life now, doing a lot of healing to see, like, oh, I see what you did there, God, you know, and and seeing that, um, yeah, he's just been good, but childhood, grew up in the church, um,
0: did you feel quite called to ministry early?
1: You know, I, I want to say yes, but I always, I think I've told you this before, I always really thought I was going to be a pastor's wife. Like, that's just what I, I knew. Like, I, I wanted to be a part of ministry. I thought I was going to be a pastor's wife. Um, and I'm single, so that definitely hasn't happened. What did, what did
0: pastor's <laughs> wife mean back then?
1: I think it meant ministry to the people. Like, I think it, it meant, like, supporting ministry. I think is what maybe I could say. But I really never had, like, a, a, an idea of where my journey would go. And I truly, I mean, I have journals about this. I truly thought it was because I was going to marry into a ministry. And so I truly thought it was kind of the Lord just, like, opening my heart. Like, wherever you go, you're going to help someone in ministry. And uh, so I felt like he never gave me a direction. And so uh, in our early years... Um, I, we grew up, like, our home, um, you know, was, there was just a lot of turmoil, and I'm the middle child, who I began to be was just this this quiet, shy, peacemaker um, growing up that saw kind of the injustices going on in our home, but never said anything. Um, but it, I, what I know now is that it grew this, what, what I call a justice gene, like, it grew this justice gene in me that, like, is very strong, where, like, I want to help make right wrongs, and uh, make wrongs right, and want to speak up for people who, um, who have been mistreated. And I feel like we had some of that in our home growing up, and, and now it's been cool kind of journeying through life and seeing... I had such a hard time for so many years, like, how did I get into trafficking? I mean, it's just... It was the most random...
0: Wait, well, you got to pause. Okay. And i gotta, I got to ask. How? When did this kind of come on your? Yeah. You know, when did when, when did that come on your journey?
1: Seven years ago. So I've been in in trafficking stuff eleven years, and and I really I got in because I found out about it and thought I want to help. You know, I just I want to help. And were you
0: tying the dots of this like injustice thing? No, okay. not one bit. Right. I was
1: just like, oh, I want to help. And I was working in the corporate world after college, and uh, and. I found out about this organization that just started up, and I just thought I wanted to help. And what was cool was, looking back, the Lord was doing so much. Um, uh, Actually, Ryan and I were leading a small group. We had raised some money for um, an anti-trafficking organization. That's kind of like when God had put it on my heart, but I didn't know what that meant. And then I get involved with this organization, and that year, my mom was like, the beginning of the year she was like, I think this is going to be your last year at MG Herring. This was the corporate job I was working. And I was like, I really want I was like, Lord, do you mean like calendar year or like the the month I started with MG Herring, which is March, will I be like done then? And um, what was cool was that year we went to Nicaragua um, with a group of us. And I remember coming back from Nicaragua that summer and I was like, I cannot keep doing what I'm doing. Like, I I was basically in marketing, convincing people to purchase things they don't need with money they don't have. Like, that's how I summed it up in my head. And um, coming back from Nicaragua, I was like, I got to do something. And um, fasted a lot that fall, and we got a a big sum of money at Traffic 91 that allowed us to basically, me to be able to quit my job and come on full-time as a first full-time employee. But it was like this huge leap of faith, because I didn't know why. I had this open door, but I didn't know why me. And so... For the first several years serving at Traffic 911, I really was just serving. And and now looking back, I know that there was I was mostly in a state of depression in my twenties. And so
0: like all twenties. Yes, yeah. that ten years. Yes,
1: totally. <laughs> <laughs> when I look back, I'm like, there is this and we can we can dive into this. There's just this deep self-hatred and and depression in that. And and what's cool is God's in his grace and mercy still met me. And, and was pulling me into a story that I didn't even know. And so I start counseling like seven years ago, and um, God just began to wreck me. And that's when I started connecting this justice gene, and that's when I started realizing being near to these girls that I got to do life with was uncovering my own brokenness and that I was like just as broken as they were, and we got to journey in this together. And so it's just been this beautiful thing of seeing the Lord write these pages of my story to make more sense, you know what I mean, than than what I would have thought and it's never it's never what you think it is, but then you look at it and you look back at the pages and you're like, "Man, that's so cool, God, that that you created this gene in me and you used what was so ugly about my childhood and even growing up to to be able to use that today."
0: So I want, I want to ask you this like I think for me like there are things of my own traumas of my own childhood that have shaped maybe even part of the desire to be in ministry and to to help others and maybe this is like a a dude thing or a macho dude thing, but like I think when like when I imagine like doing things for the Lord like i'm I had this like you know pretty high view of myself or pretty heroic view of myself like coming in and yeah th- it makes th- you it's feel like good. like. Do you, like, connecting that, like, coming into that from Nicaragua, did that, did you feel like that was a driving, Mm -hmm. because you're talking about things from your childhood, I'm just curious, like, like,
1: like, did I feel, feel
0: like this was like your,
1: yeah, oh, totally, I think that the first several years, um, even getting into the anti-trafficking field, I think that I was the helper, you know, and I'm an Enneagram too, I mean, I'm like a galactic helper, I live to help. Um, and and I think that that's, luckily the Lord in his grace and mercy changed all of that, but I think going into it, it was like, I want to help people, and I see, I saw, we saw brokenness in Nicaragua, I've, I'm learning, you know, in those early years, the brokenness in our own communities, and I was like, I, I am an Enneagram too, I can help these people, um, but over the years, the Lord's like, no, they've actually helped you more than you've helped them, so,
0: <laughs> but it takes a little while to notice that. So, like, would you say that people, when they get into working with you, are feel that way? Like, they, they start from a place of, here's, here's the awesome thing I'm going to do, and it kind of peels them as they go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel like there's, there's people who want to help because they want to help, and there's people who um, also, and, um, it's not either or, it's and, but have a story and they want to they want to kind of bring redemption to that that story in their own mm-hmm. life and what i I think is cool though, is that the Lord in his love takes that like he sees what it is, and he mm-hmm. cultivates that in a space. and so as an example, uh last summer, I don't know if any of you guys followed like there was this huge wayfair you know the, the furniture company Wayfair there was this huge like conspiracy theory about wayfair tracking kids and like social media blew up about human trafficking. There was all these sensationalized like images and um, stories coming out and our social media like blew up overnight of but it was like not the right way not the way in the way you wanted to. It's all these crazy conspiracy theorists be like did you rescue a two-year-old and she was trapped in a dog like it was all this stuff that we've been trying for 11 years to try to rewrite the narrative of trafficking was sort of like just exploded last summer right. So anyways, I was talking to our communications person about it, and she's like a big, big-time justice person, too, and she was like, we can't feed into this. We can't say anything. And what is wrong with these people that just believe that, you know, all these kids are trapped in dog cages? And she was just frustrated that there are this many people being deceived by messaging that actually helped to make the kids we serve invisible, right, because these stories aren't, aren't them. And so there's just this frustration, and the Lord gave me this the Holy Spirit, I think, just gave me this picture all of a sudden of, like, the the Lord's countenance upon these people. Like, what his face looked like towards these people. And it was, like, the most precious, grace-filled, like, I made that passion in them. It's just, you know, misguided right now. And it's your, it's your calling, like, your mantle is to help guide that passion. And so it's just this cool idea of, like, he he created these giftings in people and even if we want to just help because we think we're the mighty savior the white savior um, he takes that and in his grace he molds it and you get closer to people with, that are broken and he just he turns it into something beautiful you know
0: so there's this i love that there's this this word that you use that i really appre- i i use i appreciate is the word proximity and that being really important can, can like talk talk to me like what it looks like. And to be pro you know proximus in in compassion and generosity.
1: Yeah, I get weepy. Uh, I don't know. Um, there's just uh, there's so much I could say. There's so much about being near to a suffering Savior when you're near to suffering, you know. And so when I get to be near to the girls that I've gotten to do life with and just see, you know, all the things um, and hear all the things that I never wanted to hear but really grow near to them in relationship, um, you see another side of your Savior, you know, in that He is the Suffering Savior, and taking on all of this, and somehow, this word proximity just has set with me the last couple of years because it just changes everything when you can be proximate to people. And I was even thinking about just the parallel of community and proximity, and how like Christ in the Trinity is proximate. Like there, He made Himself to be proximate with people, um, and even the Trinity itself. Is, is a great example of that community. And and I think that I can have all these grand ideas of how I want to help or what I think people need to um, have healing and freedom. But until, you know, I'm just sitting with them in the hospital room for eight hours waiting on a sexual assault exam and um, just getting to go to a home of these these families trying to get on their feet to survive. And I get why... The mom doesn't have time for to watch her daughter, and she keeps running away and getting back into trafficking. Like everything, just you have so much more grace and compassion for people, and I just have way less answers, you know. Which I think the Lord is like, great, that's exactly where I want you to be, because I think that um, there aren't easy answers, you know. But but there's like this beauty and healing that happens through being proximate. Like it's just it's relationship, it's community. It's being around people that are different than me and they pull out other traits about me or other pieces of heaven um, through them, through me. That are, it's just really cool to experience that. And it's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's changed me. Um, in, 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 in bad seasons, um, I'm, I have a skewed view of the world uh, because of just all the brokenness I've seen um, but then when I, when I release it to the Lord and I, I, I'm in that place, I see that there is this beautiful tension in our communities that you, it is the both and. There, there can be wealth and still be proximate to poverty. And, you know, like there's God is in the both and, you know.
0: Um. I think one of the other things that you've you've shared too, and you just you kind of alluded to it earlier is there's not this this like line like like can you talk to me about like how like moving in compassion and generosity and working with the girls that you work with how like maybe there's stories or examples of how like sometimes there is significant change, and sometimes like with all things, like you may linger years and put a lot of. Energy and effort into situations that, that disent back with square, square zero. I don't, I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that I use the example sometimes when I'm talking about these youth we serve coming to healing, and I, I talk about how, like, anyone has maybe started a diet or has to try to start a routine, and then you try to start over and over and over again. And it's like this long journey to actually maybe getting what you want, and this we call it recidivism. You know, you 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 fall back, you fall back on on some of the habit or routine or discipline that you're trying to do, and it's it's similar to like what these youth experience in freedom. Is just that um, it's a it's a messy road, and I think we can all relate to that in our own stories of. Um, trying to gain freedom from what, like, for me, I think learning through counseling and just a lot of time with the Lord, like, kind of learning that I was in this long state of depression and and self-hatred sort of all through my, I would say teens and 20s, but especially through my 20s, um, and how long that took with me and the Lord to do that work and thinking, um, no story's the same, but these, these young people we work with, um, they've got layers upon layers of you know childhood trauma family poverty all these things and then and then i just have to be like you know what it's okay that we don't see progress like the lord still looks down upon me when i stumble over and over again and he's he's okay like there's just this acceptance and so that's why i love kind of we have this phrase like meet them where they are and it's just this idea of i want to show up just Fully as myself to another human, um, not wanting anything from them. You know, just just like being like, you can be there. And I mean, I've got a lot of girls I still am um, in relationship with that are back in the life or just not on the road that I would love for them to be on. And one of them, she just turned 18, so uh, it's cool because now we get to talk, and I don't have to be I don't have to report her because she's not a kid. Anyways, long story. But so we've just been texting and. I know she's in the life um, again, and I've known her since she was 14, and, uh, she'll send me a picture, and just, be like, hey, bestie, and I'm just, like, hey, girl, and she just knows I'm here, like, I'm not, like, here's the number if you want to get out, like, we've been through all that in the years past, I just, I just show up for her, you know, and, and I'm okay, like, trusting the Lord with her journey, knowing that, like, I'm not the savior, you know, I can't, I can't be, um, and so that's been, it's been hard though, because when you journey with broken people, um, yeah, success just doesn't look like what you want, and so I think even when we in the church try to do these big missions things or, you know, want to make this big impact, it's, it's, it's like, it, it's great, but also I think we lose heart pretty fast because um, that, that shiny gold Thing doesn't usually happen.
0: Yeah, it feels like that a lot of times our generosity, our compassion, and I'm sure that this has got to be, ex- can be exhausting doing your work, is that it's like we're driven towards feeling like we can see the fruit or we can see the success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a high motivator for people to like, to see that. Mm-hmm. So, like, almost like you have to like, let go of that. And,
1: and redefine, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, what is like a, like a, Typical situation, like, I I know there's not a typical situation, but what is, like, talk, you know, about the work, like, the phone call, the, Mm -hmm. you
1: know. Yeah, so, usually, um, so, Dallas Police Department here, they do a really great job at recovering girls, um, so much so, they keep us really busy. About every two or three days, we get a, a call or two, and so, it's usually that either... They've um, picked up a young girl on the street, maybe somewhere here in Dallas, um, or they've done a sting um, because they saw a sex ad online of an underage girl, and then they go to a motel over here and and get her out of the situation. So then we get the call. um, One of our advocates goes down to um, the Child Advocacy Center where they're going to interview the girl, um, try to get the information from her to arrest a perpetrator um, or to have evidence to be able to prosecute the trafficker and so our team our advocate gets to go in and usually bring food and we got that backpack full of fun things and we're just like hey I'm here um, I don't want anything from you I'm just here to be with you um, brought you some stuff so we just we get to start like that and then um, depending on where they go after which they might go to juvenile detention unfortunately or they might go back home um, we get to just follow up with them in those days to come and try to make a plan. Um, if they don't run, uh, they might run back that next day. Um, but if they stay, then we're going to pick them up and then we're taking them to the hospital and we're um, figuring out if if they have drug issues or we taking them to treatment, um, things like that. But the goal it really is to just build that trusting relationship knowing that they're going to be on their timetable and, and our advocates just kind of get to be that that cheerleader, you know, that that person kind of coaching them forward or just being there to listen. A lot of them aren't ready for counseling or anything like that yet. And so uh, one of my, one of the, a, a mentor I have, she's amazing. She's a therapist and she says, uh, she, she works with these girls all the time and people are always trying to, like, get out their story because you need them to tell their story for the investigation or whatever. And, um, you know, you've got a 15-year-old who, has been in trauma probably most of her life and then you're trying to get them to like divulge all this information and this therapist said one time she said they don't have, she doesn't have the capacity to manage her story and so when we try to pull something out, you know, kind of pre pull something out of someone before they're ready it's like they don't have the basic skills to even manage what you're about to uncover, you know, in their life and that just really hit me because they, they just, they need basic skills, like let's talk about how your feet feel on the ground and how you can breathe and what your breathing feels like. It's just like basic kind of grounding techniques so that once their story does come out, they have the capacity and some tools to like manage the trauma that's about to unfold. Does that make sense?
0: So this is like the the work that you do, it's like I, I think that maybe maybe people imagine this like, you know, getting the bad guys and, you know, saving the girl, and she wants out. But in reality, the trauma has happened for so long that it's a, it's this really long journey of just building a relationship with somebody. And I I just think that's so different than the kind of ways that we think about interacting with an issue. We mm-hmm. think about interacting with the issue as like saving them from the bad guy.
1: Sure.
0: But but the, but there's been so much. Trauma that it's a, it's just a long
1: yeah like the work has just begun yeah. we say sometimes we say recovery is just the beginning you know because everyone just everyone loves to see two girls recovered from trafficking and I was like yeah and we're like well, let me tell you this is just the beginning of the journey <laughs> like pray now <laughs> but yeah it's it's a I mean yeah it's a journey but I think that's that's the beauty I just see so much parallel in the beauty of the Lord turning with us you know. Um, and how we get to do that with other people
0: I want to ask you how it, this has reshaped your view of God because i'm sure I'm sure there's something to that, but would you would you also like i so i got I got connected with traffic number a little more the a few months ago they were going through a situation. I'm not speaking specifically to the situation, no. but would you okay. but would you maybe just talk about like because what you're describing is if you're a caseworker, you can imagine like you go through all these situations and you have to deal with recidiv you know, people constantly going back to the life. And can you talk to me about like the the trauma of actually doing doing the work of generosity, doing the work of compassion, and how God like he makes you whole, but how you have to kinda I don't know, like, it's not like you're whole immediately, like, yeah. you're going through all this. Yeah, oh my
1: gosh. Yeah, the situation Jordan's referring to, the last couple of years, we've had, um, gosh, I think four uh, deaths, and one suicide. And um, the one that happened a few months ago, I was just, like, at my wits' and, like, how do I lead a team? Like, all we do, like, I'm paying them to get close to these girls knowing that they, that there's gonna be a lot of turmoil and brokenness and possibly death. And so it's like, oh like I feel this tension of like I when you're doing your job well, you're you're proximate, right? You're building relationship. You know them sometimes better than their
0: You're inviting family. people like to their own Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To
1: their own road of brokenness. And then it's like it feels like train wrecks sometimes, you know, and then like the suicide um of one of the girls, and our team is getting the phone call, you know, and having to be like, ah, you know, and that advocate was so close to this girl, and 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 what do you do with that? You know, you, our team is like, what could we have done different? Did we give her all the resources that she needed? Is there something? And then, um, two of our deaths were, uh, were killed. They were, they were killed by uh, a perpetrator. And so, we, we just it's so hard to sort of wrestle with that and try to, for me to like lead the team in that, being like, I brought them into this, which I know I don't have that much power. The Lord's like, ha ha. But I feel so guilty for bringing people close into this dark world when, and then I'm asking them to get close to these girls and then they die. And I'm like, what do you do with this? You know? And and we, uh, I called Gabe and, Gabe and uh, Jordan to come in and just pray over the team on a Monday morning when we're all in mourning and we don't really know what to say, you know, and there's no words, but I was like, we need pastors in this space to just pray and um, declare truth, and I don't know, it's it's. there's this uh, group out of Seattle called the Allender Center, they deal a lot with trauma and story, uh, and they're amazing, they have a podcast, and they did a podcast last year on kind of holding the tension between, I think it was like grief and gratitude or something along those lines, I can't remember what it it was, but it's that that dance of knowing that like um, our Savior suffered these things, like he took all of this on, the closer we are to grief and suffering, we're actually closer to him, although nothing makes sense. Like, nothing makes sense in the natural world of, like, how can this all be? Like, that girl didn't even get a chance at life. Um, Like, every obstacle was stacked up against her. One of the first girls that died was a girl that was really, really close to me, one of my first girls. And, um, And I was just like, how do I reason with this? Because her name was Kimberly. Kimberly did not get a chance at life. Like, literally just everything stacked against her and then she was killed and I'm like what do you do with that lord like what why you know and I don't have all the answers I don't know but there is something about being able to hold both like the tension of grief and gratitude the tension of joy and sorrow and seeing like choosing to see the joy you know in the midst of brokenness and our team um I don't know. We have this. We have we have a really fun atmosphere at work. Like there's a lot of laughing and stuff that goes on. I think a lot of us just coping with uh, the hard stuff that they do out in the field, and then we try to come in and sometimes just have fun because you got to laugh and you got to make you got to somehow make sense of this world. But we we pray a lot, man. We pray a lot, and for me, that's helped me um, helped us really acknowledge that like lord you're sovereign you're good you you know like you know and and we don't have to know we don't have to know the answer we just have to sort of say yes and and keep moving forward but prayer on our team has helped a lot just kind of stay focused on the lord and just declare his goodness his promises and then we have a practice of gratitude actually on mondays with our team and i just have this this feeling of, like, if we can start our week in gratitude, if we can write thank you notes to donors, write thank you notes to volunteers, send a thank you to the CPS worker that was working with that girl, if we can start our week like that, surely we can handle, you know, kind of what's to come, but the team, we all go through, we all are in counseling all the time, just because there's a lot that needs to be processed to be able to stay, you know, in this work, and so... I don't know if I
0: that. You kind of answered my next question a little, but I was going to ask you how you're living in grief and gratitude. You kind of mentioned a little bit about the gratitude.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't hold. I'm just like,
0: do you have like practice or like things that like allow you to do that?
1: Yeah, I'm learning that I don't hold grief very well. I'm like a positive person. I see the world a glass half full. I want to like paint everything. I want to go over it real quick, like, but things are good. You remember this? And so um, the Lord is teaching me how to hold sorrow and grief and really make space for it, Um, and counseling has helped a lot with that. We have um, rhythms of a lot of time off, so for me what's helped me is that every quarter I've got a full seven, sometimes ten days where I just fully unplug and... Um, for me, what I've done is I journal I journal a lot. I journal through my last usually three to four months, and I kind of write highs and lows, like what happened these last several months, like timeline wise. And then I sort of find themes and it helps me sort of make sense of what's happened over the last like I was just on vacation last month, and I hadn't done that for a whole six months. and so, I journaled kind of timeline, seeing what all happened over the last seven months. And I was like, oh, man, that was a hard year. You know, it's been a hard year. But then I saw these, like, huge joy dollops, like, throughout the timeline. And so I was like, it was really low lows and actually some really high highs at the same time. And I I need that looking back. Like, I need to be able to see, like, What did you do, Lord, both highs and lows, to make sense of sort of now? Because I feel like that's stewarding my story well, you know, or stewarding what the Lord's doing is being able to look back and pause and reflect. And so that's helping me a lot.
0: Wow. So many questions I could ask you. How has this affected your view of God?
1: I mostly have more questions for him. (laughs) Um, Somehow I see him clearer. I have more questions. But I see him clearer. Maybe because all these things that I've experienced and witnessed has had me just wrestling with him more. And so, like, it was, like, a couple years ago, I, he gave me this gift of, like, having these um, images. I see his face. Like, I see his countenance somehow in situations. And so, even on for myself, but I'll see, like, how, what his actual facial expression looks like in a situation. And it's, like, changed me. I mean, I remember kind of really definitively one day when it happened maybe gosh it's probably been over a year ago now I was doing an annual review for one of the staff and I, her, she and I were sitting across from each other and we were going through her employee performance review and she was just so down on herself like she rated herself so poorly and all these things and I all of a sudden like the Lord showed me a picture of his face towards her and I like got tears like tears just started running down my eyes and I'm like Rachel, like, do you know how the Lord is seeing you right now? And so I don't know. I have more questions for him, but I'm more certain than ever that, like, he's the only thing. He's literally the only thing I have. Like, I can't, I don't know anything else. I don't know. (laughs) Nothing else makes sense, but I see him. I experience him um, being near to people, being able to lead people through this. Like, I just... I know him, you know, and I see his face and that's just okay for me, you know.
0: So why would you encourage somebody to go down the path of radical generosity if it's and compassion, if it's if it's as painful as it is? Yeah. Tell yeah. Them, tell us why we should go down that path.
1: Yeah, sometimes I feel like the Debbie Downer. I'm like, <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> um, but it's it, there's so much beauty. Like, there's just nothing like being near to our community as a whole. You know, that I'm not in my own bubble. Like, the more I get out and experience, like, have dinner with, my friend named Chocolate, who runs a this small nonprofit in Bonton Farms, and she's she is rough around the edges, and we would never be friends. You know what I mean? Like in the normal sense of things, we would never be friends. But I am friends with Chocolate, and we text, and and she makes me better. And when I'm near to the girls we get to serve, I am so I have, I'm full of so much gratitude that. I've that the Lord has had grace all my life, you know, and that I haven't, my story is different than theirs, but I just, I see, I don't know, I feel like I see more of the facets of who Jesus is. And so I can choose to live in this lane, you know, this bubble of my world, and I'm really only going to see probably one facet of Christ and his kingdom. Or I can choose to live, you know, with a little bit more grit and ugly and mess and different um, and see so many other facets of who Jesus is because you get to see him and all of these different people and I love that like I think that's worth it and it's what it's what Jesus did you know and, and I want to be more like him and so it's everything out of my comfort zone. But I'm learning, like, the more I step out of my comfort zone, like, it's actually way more fun. And he, you know, like, there's nothing like his journey. And so, yeah.
0: So there's more beauty, even though there's more more suffering.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's worth it. And I don't want to say... I'm always careful with this because I don't want it to, I think we talked about this when we were us here the other day. I don't ever want it to be like I'm doing it because I want to be a better version of myself. But a great byproduct is I'm a much better version of myself. And that's like talk about free people, free people at work. And it's this idea of, it's just this conviction that I've learned that if I choose to be on my own journey of freedom, then I can journey with others towards freedom. Like, I don't get there and then help others. I'm like, I'm super messed up, but I'm with you in this, and we're going to journey together, you know? And so it's just this idea that um, I'm becoming more whole when I'm around others choosing to become more whole, and I'm helping them as they're helping me, and it's this beautiful, you know, synergy. And that's another, like, beautiful byproduct of... Um, of, it really does form you um, into a better version of yourself and I'm grateful for that.
0: This might be an unfair question to ask you, but I um, I think one of the things that happens like, when you listen to somebody like you doing work like you did or something similar is we all feel like, well, what in the world are we doing with any part of our lives? Like, it, I'm just saying, it's an, it's a response that, that, that we have. And so how would you encourage people like uh, the the thought that was coming to my mind is Mother Teresa saying like you I don't exactly how remember how she said it. But she said it in the documentary watch earlier this year it was something like, you know, you can't serve the way I can serve essentially. Mm-hmm. like how would you encourage people that that the path of compassion is still beautiful and life changing and transformative if I don't get to work full time and in human
1: trafficking.
0: Sure, sure. I mean, that might be an unfair
1: No, task, I mean, what kind of, the Holy Spirit just brings something to mind. Um, uh, Carly and I have talked about this phrase a lot, like, see the gold. And, like, I think it's about story. And there's, like, gold, there's kingdom in every person you meet. And so, yeah, my lane right now is trafficking. I don't know if it'll be forever. But I pray that I choose to be near others and see their story. and Because there is, I'm, I've learned that there's trauma in everyone. There's, there's stories of um, resilience and brokenness, um, even in your next door neighbor, you know, and um, the other mom at the school, or like all these opportunities to see story and see, the gold and someone else and um and so i think it looks different but i think that's 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 doing it that's being proximate because if i i can if i can learn your story i'm proximate with you you know and um we can do that in whatever vein that we have um you know
0: so would you say like learning the story being proximate that's like if you wanted to boil down like the fundamentals of being hospitality i mean is there something addition to that like that's i keep hearing you say like learning the story
1: mm-hmm. i don't know it's not just about the story not just that no yeah it's not just about the story but i guess that's where that's where we all meet like you know like i i see myself in a small glimmer of someone else's story when i hear it and there's this communion you know that goes on when you can learn that, and then God does what He does. I know it's not just about the story, because I know people. Well, I struggled a long time to be like, I don't have a story. So that's like an access it. point. Yeah, yeah. But then, what is it? Is that what you're saying?
0: No, I just, I'm just, i was just. just, just you're just talking a lot about that, so I was. Yeah, just yeah, asking.
1: yeah. No, I think I'm fascinated with story. I think Jesus is too. We talk about uh, like I feel like I'm, I'm the, I'm the. Hopefully the best version of myself so far, but I'm on this version. I'm sure the Lord's got me on this version, you know, in a, in a year or two. And, um, and I love learning that, like, from other people, um, kind of what they've been through and what, what resiliency looks like and how the Lord's used that or will use it. Um, I think there's something about reflect. I guess, yeah, I'm just processing this as I'm sitting here, but there's something about reflecting back that's really powerful, And so, even in being proximate with people, and that naturally comes out, I mean, story just naturally comes out of people, there's something beautiful about that, that God starts to show you gratitude, or show you, I don't know, pieces of how, I call them God dollops or nuggets, (laughs) just how he's been faithful, and so, yeah.
0: And it feels like like a lot of times we, we step into modes of generosity or hospitality with people, but we go we go just up to the point of actually like getting to really get into the story mm. because that's an inconvenience. Like, like once I have to like understand why you feel this way or like that,
1: yeah, like, you' have oh. a whole can of worms. <laughs> um, yeah, but
0: that's yeah, I, I don't know. Um, there's w-
1: something though, about uh, the presence of that holding space for someone to tell you about their past, or about the present. Um, like, like Jesus did that with the woman at the well, even though he already knew it. You know, he held space for that. And there's, like, this beautiful, I don't know, something that happens when you hold space for people to share.
0: You know, it's funny, I've read that John Ford, like, the woman at the well story, is one of my favorite, I feel like I've preached on it, it's, like, right up there, like, John 15, John 4, way up there. But I haven't thought about what you just said, which is that Jesus knew the information. He even kind of shortcutted, told her a few things. <laughs> but he still held the space for her to tell her story. Mm. Because it's, I mean, it's like almost like there's something in somebody else. It's not just about us knowing, but about them participating and yeah, yeah, yeah. coming into the knowing with us. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I appreciate you bringing that. Uh, I was... I was also hoping that you would pray for us. We do share a same counselor too. That's
1: pretty. Yeah, <laughs> we know each other's therapist, which is crazy. But I didn't know. I didn't know. Well, no, or you didn't know something. She didn't know we knew each other. And then all of a sudden, I was telling her, "I just need we. Need, I need some powerful like pastors to pray over our team, whatever." And she said, "I thought of Jordan, but I never knew y'all knew each other. So I wasn't even gonna like ever bring him up." And then it was just cool. The Lord's super cool, but. Yeah, I'd love to pray.
0: Please. We a couple questions Yeah. Yeah, let's do okay. some, we should do some questions. Good 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 point.
2: Anybody? <laughs> I'll come to you. I'll start, what you think? Um Okay, so a while back I was thinking through this idea that trauma is a gift from God. Um, like the way that our brains deal with trauma. Otherwise, we would just be paralyzed from the moment of the traumatic event. But that also, it's a gift that's meant to be given back to God. Sort of like re-gifted, if you think of like a Christmas thing. Um, Can you talk about how seeing trauma, seeing someone unfold their trauma, and have you seen times when that person's been able to let's say give that gift back to God or or even like just trauma as a gift like how it keeps people enables people to move forward with life like what do you see about that in your
1: work Mm -hmm. it's really deep (laughs) wow Ryan how do I see trauma and a gift back Ooh, I think because we work with young people um, it's been few and far between that I get to see the reciprocal happen yet, you know what I mean? Because I feel like we're in we're with a lot of girls who are in that becoming phase <laughs> you know, they're still um, in the midst of it and they don't see it for what it is yet um, but I see for some of the girls I've gotten to journey with longer who are now adults and um, have some words for what they've been through. You know, um, I'm, obs- I've le- I'm obsessed with words. I think Jesus is, the Lord is too because he wrote them for us. I'm just obsessed with words. And there's something about when you can have language for something that is really healing, as we know. And so I guess that that's what I would see somewhat answer to your question is like there's beauty and healing when there are, even in my own life, when I learned... Um, I had language for what happened in our home growing up. That was like so freeing and healing, like have words. And so, I don't know, that's what comes to mind is that there's been beauty in that. Um, I think that with maybe even some of our team, uh, our staff who a lot of them have their own stories, um, it's, it's been beautiful, like cultivating that as a team and getting some of them even being able to see what happened in their own stories that led them to doing the work that they do today and how, I mean, even for my own life, uh, I had this moment with my counselor a few years ago where uh, she was like, I, was, I have this moment, at, I call it the dinner table moment, I have this like memory seared in my mind um, when we were at the dinner table growing up and there was trauma happening. And, um, and she said, tell me about the eight-year-old Lindsay that didn't experience that. Who would she be today? Or what would she have been like if she didn't experience that? And I just broke down because I was, I was sad that I didn't get to be that girl. Like, I didn't get to be the girl that didn't experience that. And then at the same time, the Lord was like, but you wouldn't be here now. Like, I, w- I don't think I would be doing what I was now. And it was like this gorgeous thing that the Lord was like, I work all things, you know, for good. So, there it is. Wow.
2: Anyone? How do you help yourself
1: emphasize the importance of the mundane work that you do? Because I feel like generosity often is very boring. Like you write emails during your work or like something, but it helps you get actually get the work done, but like how do you help yourself remember that? That's a really good question. I guess I'm coming back to story. I stay connected to story. I stay connected to story. We have a group me um, for our team called Weekly Wins. And uh, so the team is just kind of like throughout the week or whatever kind of putting a little, you know, um, Rihanna got her uh, GED today or she went to counseling for the first time, like just these little things. And so I need to pull those up pretty often to just like remind myself of like this is what it's about, you know. Um, so I just I have those things, and I love words. So I have things all for my office that you know, like that are these reminder moments or quotes or scriptures that like this is this is what it's about. But there's something about the everyday disciplines that I think have really made me who I am. Like that have cultivated this so it's like it is those mundane daily things like I get up and go to CrossFit and that is what I do and there's no question you know like it's not fun but like I do it every day and it produces you know and yeah but I I like to focus on those stories and those wins I I need them all throughout the week to just make sense of what I'm doing you know when I'm like filling out a grant report or something stupid not stupid but mundane boring
2: maybe take time for one more so just shoot your hand up.
1: So from where I'm sitting, I feel really like, how do I help? Like, I hear that you have your team, and you guys are, like, right at the core of, of touching the need. So paint a picture of connecting the dots for, like, is there, is there gaps that we can fill and not feel so removed or just throw money at it? Like, show me how other people can get involved. Obviously, we can't maybe do what you're doing, but, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always say, you know, when you help a family in poverty, you're helping trafficking. When you uh, support the foster system, you're, we're, you know, you're, uh, you're serving trafficking victims. Like, there's so many, I guess, intersectional issues in our communities that all, you know, go into this one sort of streamlined niche that I'm in, trafficking. When really, like, all these kids have experienced all these things that need the community. Um, and we have, we have some volunteer opportunities just at our office and um, a few things when we're delivering groceries or something like that. There's a few of those, not near as many. And uh, in the early years, I was always, like, um, trying to make a spot for everyone to do something. And I learned that I got so distracted that I wasn't keeping the, mission, the main thing the main thing. So now we're kind of unapologetically being like, we don't have a spot for everyone to do their god and get but. There's always something like, like I can think of. I mean, gosh, there's dentists who have offered their pro bono services. There's um, a woman connected here somewhere, I think, I can't remember, in the Mesquite area who makes cookies. And she, um, we have these partner baskets that we put together for law enforcement and stuff like that. And her thing, her gift is like making these gorgeous cookies. And so she makes them for us. There's a, a medical office up in Flower Mound, and this incredible doctor and his wife run this practice, and they've decided to. Like, at once a sat, once a month on a Saturday, they open up their entire clinic for our girls, and they give us pro bono medical services and, and meds, and it's amazing. And so I think there's, like, kind of, like, what is your entry point, you know, based on your own um, kind of experience? And, yeah, prayer, the prayer thing is legitimate. We talked about that briefly, but we need a lot of prayer. There's just so much warfare, even just, I sent out a prayer test, text to our intercessors on Friday, because, like several people on our team had a really really scary nightmares on the same night about work and girls and we we're like okay we got to pray you know and it's it's real there's just so much like unseen stuff going on in what we do so I don't want to discount that but there's also other anti-trafficking organizations around that have like uh, at different outreaches and stuff that I'm happy to connect you all to uh Carly works for A21 with Christine Kane and I mean there's some great things going on like that we're all connected to that play into the work you know in the same way. So but I do think it's about like kind of what is what are the gifts that God's given me and then how do I give those, you know?
0: I do want to put put this in your mind to ask the question of how could we be more intentional about praying for you? We 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 like that just kind of pops in my mind of like I think we would be open to um, however, that would look like best for you to be to be more covered and supported in prayer. Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So just think about it. Yes. Yeah. No, it. no on the spot answer needed. Um, I would like to have you pray for us. And one of the things we're doing—I mean, you guys know—we don't like take up an offering ever because we just don't do it. You know, like I just feel like the Holy Spirit should compel people to give, and you know that's it. Um, and, but. But this this fall, three different people who are coming. And really, like I cast, I told this to Lindsay, like I was like, really, I feel like this isn't about us helping you, this is about you helping us. Like, we're really bringing people to come who are in different ways involved with compassion, generosity. Um, and I think the way that this fit in my mind growing up in a church is they're showing up and we're bringing on the muscle resources of money to make their work happen. And the way I'm looking at this fall is, no, we actually need to come and learn, sit at the feet of people who are doing it and and reflect upon how God could operate in our lives. Saying all that to say, I feel like it's always it's always valuable when God's imparting something to you, you're receiving something to be able to give. There's something supernatural to me that happens when we give financially to something. And so we are going to encourage people. We don't have a plate to pass. But I'm encouraging people to be thoughtful this morning about if the Holy Spirit is compelling you. I know that Traffic 911 is fine financially. They have have big donors. That's not the point. This isn't like the appeal to need. This is to appeal to partnership and our own spirit with what God's doing. And so I want to put that out there as a as a thought. I, I Bill, Bill Johnson preached a message years ago that I, I think I would say is the most impactful individual sermon I've ever heard. And he said, God has no needs, he only has desires. And I, I thought about that for a long time and I was like, oh, that's true. And um, he doesn't have any needs. And so I think a lot of times we are so driven emotionally by need, um, but So this isn't about giving or out of need. This is about giving because our hearts are compelled to partner with God. It's God's doing. So that's my pitch for please give this morning um, for us, not just for them. I mean, I think there's an, there's something to be received in that exchange. So we want to give, but would you also pray for us um, that, that Let's see. How could I? You pray however you want, but I really want us to grow in that radical generosity, compassion, and, and um, as a community. So that's part of what this fall is about.
1: Love it. Yeah. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we just love you. We just love you. We thank you for um, just your face and your countenance upon us this morning, um, that you're pleased. You're just such a good God, and um, we just thank you for that. Thank you for being a good God. Thank you that we can bring all of our questions and um, fears and everything before you, and you've got it. And I thank you that you don't have needs, you just have desires, Um, and we can flow in understanding what those are. And so I just pray over that this morning, over the family here, um, the community here at Clear Path Forward. Um I just pray that you would open their eyes to see um, in a new way that there would be things that they see that maybe they pass every day that they never really realized it, and then all of a sudden you're making them aware. Um, so yeah, God, I just, I just declare um, a cultivation of awareness in um, new realms this morning, um, that that you are giving them eyes to see, because um, once you see, once you allow us to see, um, then we can we can act and we can be compassionate. But first, we got to see. Um, and so, Lord, I just pray for those lenses, whatever needs to be removed um, from the eyes or scales or anything, would just be removed today, and that they would uh, they would see your children, they would see your community. The way that you see them, and they would see people the way that you see them, and um, that there would be uh, compassion that really is just this authentic expression of who you are um, in the flesh, through them. And so Lord, whatever that looks like, we just we know that your word in ephesians three twenty says that you can do more through us than we can ask of dream think of or imagine, and so it's always going to be more, Uh, but I just pray that you would help the team here to tap into the more, Um, tap into the limitless, tap into um, miracles, signs and wonders of what you want to do through a community, and so Lord, just just do it. We just ask that you would do it. Do it in ways that only you can do, where only you get the glory. Um, I pray that there would be encounters with people where um, people in the community would encounter someone here and, and glimpse a, a shot of heaven. Um, they, would just, they would see heaven through this community, and they would be drawn to you. They would be drawn to, um, to seeing how you've moved in their life, to seeing how you brought resiliency where there's been brokenness. And so, Lord, I pray that people would catch a glimpse of, of your kingdom of heaven through these people in this room and in this community. And, God, it's, it's all for your glory. So, Lord, we just say, um, come and have your way. Do what only you can do. Open hands and open hearts. In your name we pray, amen.
0: Thank you so much for coming. Such a blessing. Such a blessing. I know we all feel feel the same. We love you. Let's give Lindsay a hand. <laughs> um I'm, I know it's late. I don't have a watch on what time is it? Twelve thirty seven. I'm sorry guys, it's late, but we're going to finish with communion because we always do. And um and so if I could have you I hope somebody help me grab this stuff, if I can have you grab Come to the table, grab the elements.